that was God's intention. That's how mankind imaged God. The guy who's, who sits back and is neglecting his responsibilities or neglecting using the things that he's been given the way that God intended, you're, you're lying about who God is. Was Jesus Christ a socialist? Some people think so. Welcome, friend, to our conversation today with Dustin Johnson. It's part two. You can hear episode 112, Bernie, as in Bernie Sanders versus Christ the Capitalist. In that episode, we discuss the Garden of Eden as seminal, filled with kingdom DNA and really precedence for our experience today in Christ. That poignant question, Adam, where are you? What does that really mean? The Son of Man has come to seek and save the lost, Jesus said. What did he mean by that? And can it be that Jesus is actually restoring us to be vice regents, to reign on behalf of Christ, on behalf of his kingdom? In today's episode, episode 114, was Jesus Christ a socialist, the parable of the talents? We resume our discussion. We'll be looking at a parable which is at once challenging, filled with hope, and maybe a little troubling. How does all of this apply to the Christ follower and the church today? Dustin says that we are to image God. We are meant to represent Him in our purpose, our role, our function here on earth. And we image Him in large part by enhancing and drawing out the potential of His creation. Fill the earth, subdue it, multiply. We are truly vice regents created to rule on his behalf. Now we're going to pause in the middle of this conversation about halfway through for just a few minutes with a few quick thoughts about our question today, Was Jesus a Socialist? by Lawrence Reed, the president of the Foundation for Economic Education. I really enjoyed the conversation with Dustin Johnson of Christ and Capital, ChristandCapital.com. Here's our guest, Dustin. kind of podcasting myself happy here my goodness so now the parable of the talents we see this picture of jesus this is not a hallmark jesus is it in the parable of the talents no no it's not <laughs> okay what well, i mean what do we see there man it's, it's it's pretty wild go go and run with that yeah so so in the parable of, of the talents it's interesting because um jesus tells this story well he's telling a story about how the kingdom of god you know advances in the world and he gives this parable about a guy, a, a man who is uh, takes some of his servants and he gives them each a um, a, uh, a measure of of talent, okay. so to speak. A, a talent was like a wage or um, a year's wage, or, or I don't know the exact amount, but he gives them each talents and he entrusts it to them to use to make a return on it. Um, and when he comes back, you know, the one who was given the most was um, faithful with it. He stewarded it well. He made a return. He made a 100% return. I think it was 100%. Uh, but anyways, he made a 100% return, and and he had that when the master came back. Now, the guy on the other end of the spectrum, who was given just a little bit, um, buried his treasure in the ground, uh, and he he didn't um, he didn't do anything with it. Um, so it just, he returned. When he got back, when the master got back, he returned that amount um, to him without any any interest or anything, and no, okay. the master 
takes the side of the of the rich guy, of the guy who made a whole bunch of money. And so we when when we think of Jesus, we usually think of him taking the side of the of the guy who was, you know, not as wealthy or the poor guy or whatever. And so there's kind of this like, wait a minute, Jesus, you're supposed to you're supposed to go with the little guy kind of thing. Um, but he he doesn't. And so we got to grapple with that. Like, what is he trying to tell us? And seeing that he's compare using this this parable as a um, comparison of what how the kingdom of God advances in the world, um, I think we need to take that seriously and look at what's the underlying principle uh, that he's trying to tell us. And I think it's that you know you're, you're required to be faithful with what you have to advance God, the kingdom of God. Um, and you know it's it's interesting that Jesus doesn't. He doesn't concern him himself with the fact that each of the three servants were given different amounts. He doesn't care. Like he doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't care that you were um, given a whole bunch or you were given a little bit. He requires you to be faithful with the lot that you've been given. Yeah, it's so um, it's so challenging and inspiring. So so the one who had the five talents went out and invested it. He doubled it. He he returned ten. Right. The yep. one the one who had the two talents returned four. And Jesus said the same exact words to those two each equally, you know, yep. welcome into the kingdom, the joy prepared for you, you've done well. You know, it's kind of a paraphrase, but you can read it there in Matthew 25. And then the one who had the one talent dug a hole and stuck it in the ground, yep. the hole digger. Okay, now, Jesus was not pleased with that, and his his destiny or his outcome was thrown out into darkness. I mean, yep. this, this is an austere teaching. Now, the guy who dug the hole says he did it because he, he was afraid and he knew Jesus to be a hard businessman or it could be translated an austere business person. <laughs> yeah. And Jesus doesn't come and say, oh, let's have a Hallmark move and I'm not austere. He actually, <laughs> he doesn't challenge what he says at all. He just says, in fact, he, he affirms it. He says, if you knew me to be that, then why didn't you at least put it in the bank? Yeah, he's challenging his assumption. He's like, he's like if, you, if, if you really did think that, why didn't you do this? Like, yeah. At least. <laughs> so are we saying there's this side to Jesus where he expects fruitfulness? He expects multiplication. This yes. really is sort of this echo from Genesis of rule, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, right? Yep. And if and, and that's and that was God's intention. That's how that's how mankind imaged God. And so the guy who's who sits back and is um, neglecting his responsibilities or neglecting using the things that he's been given, um, the way that God intended, you're, you're lying about who God is. Because if, if you're made in, in the image of God and you're, you know, quote unquote, being lazy or kind of neglecting your, your okay. duties to fill the earth and subdue it, all right. you know, that's, that's not what he called us to do. I mean, we all have a, this sphere of influence, right? That we're called to fill up. And I, I kind of see it like a balloon. I think the more we fill it up as we perceive it at a given point in our life, the bigger it gets. God, okay, here's more, God says, right? He always had this in mind, but he gives us like this sphere that we can see right now. Mm -hmm. And as we're faithful in that, he gives us, he releases more to us and it grows and it expands, right? Yep. So maybe yep. like with, like, can we just use you as a content creator? You're, you started out with writing and by the way, I think everything goes back to writing. So writing's the foundational piece to everything. But anyway, you're starting with <laughs> writing, but now you're, now you're, 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 you're going into podcasting and there's probably other ways of content creation that you may evolve into other channels. Yep. Right. Yep. But, um, yeah, that, that thing just grows. So, uh, yeah, this parable of the talents in Matthew 25, I, you know, just please read that, 
read that yep. teaching of Jesus about about the kingdom. So, Bernie. <laughs> nice segue. <laughs> Bernie. Yeah. Let's just do an abrupt segue here. One of the worst segues ever in the history of podcasting. Bernie. No, it's, okay. It's good. Now, okay, we're not making a political statement. We don't care about Bernie. Okay. We, we care about the big I mean, stuff. We do, we do in the sense that okay. he's an image bearer, <laughs> okay. but we don't care about his philosophy. We're, okay. We're, so, I mean, just... Just take a top one or two or three socialist beliefs of Bernie and contrast it with Christ for us, Christ the capitalist, okay? Okay, yeah. So I think I think one of the big ones that's kind of echoing throughout the media right now is the whole um, we should be taxing the rich person, the, the wealthy people. We should tax them and kind of use their money for, you know, common good. I, I don't think Jesus will allow us to care for the poor— at the expense of his other commands, which is thou shalt not steal. Um, and so I don't think that, I don't think that it's justified to take from someone in order to use to, um, do whatever you need to. Okay. Now, what, what, what do you do with Jesus statement to those who were challenging him that, you know, render unto Caesar, what belongs to him and render unto God, what belongs unto him? Yeah. So, uh, I think there's a deeper, uh, philosophical statement underlying that. Okay. Uh, he was asking them what their, who they saw on that coin. Who, who, who was it that you see what, whose image is on this? Right. Um, and they said Caesar. Know, yeah. They said Caesar. And he says, okay, fine. Go ahead. Render unto Caesar. What is Caesar's? But to someone who knew what Jesus was talking about, they, they would have said that's God's image. That's God's image on that coin. Um, and so that's, we're called to, you know, use that, use the, the image of God is called to return back to God. So, so, I mean, the Romans believed they, be, they began to believe that the Caesar was a divinity, a God. Mm-hmm. And so you're saying that really it's a false representation of the true God. And right. yet, and yet Paul would say, you know, pay taxes in Romans, he, you know, give honor to whom honor is due, mm-hmm. right? Custom to whom custom is due, pay your taxes. So it's not that we're not to pay taxes, just to kind of um, interject real quick. Okay. I do think that there are unjust forms of taxation and yes. there are just forms of taxation. Okay. Um, and so that that's kind of, we could get into that discussion, but um, taxing the rich, taxing their wealth. Like um, progressive that, tax, that like they, exorbitant taxing, right? Yeah. Or 90% like, a, or like or something. <laughs> a property tax or an inheritance tax. Um, a debt ju- tax. You know, if you're being taxed just for the sake of, you know, owning property. Well, like we said earlier, property is gotten or is received or, or um, obtained based on your very first instance of capital or property, which was the life you've been given in the first place. So um, I think if you dig into it, there's certain forms of taxation that we would say is unjust and should not be okay. um, engaged in. All right. Now, what about healthcare as a human right? Yep. It's not. And, and I know people are going to take that harshly right off, or some people might. But when we say that something is a right, just because we decided that it was a right, if, you, if you're saying that healthcare is a right, you're saying you have the right to someone else's services. You have the right to someone else's property because someone else has to do that for you. Okay. And so claiming that that's a right um, is ultimately indentured servitude. Like you're, you're claiming that someone has to serve you. Um, we think as Christians that the doctors in, that are serving healthcare should be willing and should want and should should have loving hearts to be able to do all that they can to care for for people but claiming it as a legal right is again we're going back to it's implemented by force at the end of the day 
And so what that um, looks like for them is like universal health care or totally government provided health care, right? Yep. So they get to shape the whole healthcare system, like one sixth of the economy. They get to determine yep. procedures and who dies, who doesn't die. I mean, this is what it all eventuates into, really. It, it has to, and and I think I think um, you're getting onto something that um, you know that would take a whole other episode. But you know, we need we need to start thinking about these things um, not just on the surface level where the emotions are, but actually draw back because God God calls us to love our neighbors in such a way that it doesn't just solve their immediate situation, but will, will, um, you know, benefit them in the long term. Yeah. And so universal healthcare is one of those immediate trying to solve the problem, but it's not going to, it's not going to, it's not going to solve the problem. It's going to make it worse actually. And what about um, the parable of the good Samaritan? I mean, this was a real dig by Jesus because the Jews despised the Samaritans. So yes. like, the, so like the, yes. pri- so like the priest passes the, the one has been beat up and nearly killed on the side of the road by robbers, right? Yep. So, some other guy comes back and uh, by another Jew, same thing. And, and, and the Samaritan comes and he, and he was a person of means. He had the ability to do this, but he immediately took him to an inn. He paid for his medical care and, and, and even left additional money or, or told the innkeeper, if there's anything else, charge it to me, I'll come back and pay it. Mm-hmm. I mean, so God is concerned about us being concerned about our neighbors, right? Jesus says the whole, all the law and the prophets is it's summed up in love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. But again, I think we can see um, Jesus's whole idea is that that law has to start from inward. It has to start from a regenerated heart, and it cannot be enforced from the top down. So charity cannot be forced from... Okay. The tip of a sword. I'm interested so. in your comments, too, about some of the precedents and, and the DNA that we see in the old covenant that God gave to the nation of Israel. For example, mm-hmm. farming. If, if they're bringing in their barley or wheat harvest, they were, not, they were to leave some of it in the fields yep. and not just grab it all and throw it into their barn. They were to yes. leave some of it out on the fringes of the field so that the stranger in the midst and the poor could come and glean. Remember, this is what Ruth did when she came into Israel, right, with Boaz. Yep. Um, what is that telling us about, about God and about our attitude towards even business or our own personal possessions? That's so interesting that you said that, because I just had a discussion about this the other day with someone. So yes, God, God calls us to leave the corners of our, our field, so to speak, um, for the sojourner or the, you know, the, the, the wanderer in our land. That does not mean that that wanderer or that um, sojourner was entitled to that in the first place. God calls us to do that in in caring for that person, that you know, the sojourner or, or what have you. So yet, yeah, so again, it's going to come from God's law tells us to do that. God's law, God also tells us that His law has now been written on our hearts, and so that that law works its way out um, in our modern context, um, so that we kind of we love our neighbors in our business, you know, through our businesses, and we love our neighbors through working in healthcare, and we love our neighbors through all these different instances. You can't flip it around and say, okay, we have to do this by force, by the tip of a sword, by the you know, threat of, of the blade of a sword. We'll come right back to the rest of our conversation with Dustin Johnson. I thought we could pull away for just a couple quick minutes and hear from Lawrence Reed, president of the Foundation for Economic Education, on our question, was Jesus a socialist? To get an accurate answer to our question, we need to define socialism. 
Socialism is the concentration of power into the hands of government elites to achieve the following purposes. Central planning of the economy and the radical redistribution of wealth. Jesus never called for any of that. Nowhere in the New Testament does he advocate for the government to punish the rich or even to use tax money to help the poor. Nor does he promote the ideas of state ownership of businesses or central planning of the economy. In Luke 12, Jesus is confronted by a man who wants him to redistribute wealth. Master, the man says to Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replies, man, who made me a judge or divider over you? And then he rebukes the man for being envious of his sibling. How about Jesus' parable of the talents? Talents were a form of money in Jesus' day. A man entrusted three of his workers with his wealth. The two who invested the money and made a profit were praised, and the one who buried his share so he wouldn't lose any of it was reprimanded. Sounds a lot more like an endorsement for capitalism than socialism, doesn't it? Yes, Jesus spoke of the difficulty for a rich man to enter heaven, but not because having money is evil. It's not money, rather it is the love of money, the New Testament tells us, that leads to evil. Jesus was warning us not to put acquisition of money and material possessions above our spiritual and moral lives. Was Jesus promoting a socialist model when he kicked the money changers out of the temple in Jerusalem? Again, the answer is no. Note the location where the incident occurred. It was in the holiest of places, God's house. Jesus was not angry at buying and selling in and of themselves. He was angry that these things happened in a house of prayer. He never drove a money changer from a marketplace or from a bank. Jesus advises us to be of generous spirit, to show kindness, to assist the widow and the orphan. But he clearly means this to be our responsibility, not the government's. Consider Jesus' Good Samaritan story. A traveler comes upon a man at the side of a road. The man had been beaten and robbed and left half dead. What did the traveler, the Good Samaritan, do? He helps the unfortunate man on the spot with his own resources. Ask yourself, to help the poor, would Jesus prefer that you give your money freely to the Salvation Army, for example, or have it taxed by politicians to fund a welfare bureaucracy? So there is no evidence that Jesus was a socialist, and there's lots of evidence that he supported free markets. In addition to the parable of the talents, Jesus offers his parable of the workers in the vineyard. In it, a landowner hires some laborers to pick grapes. Near the end of the day, he realizes he needs more workers to get the job done. To recruit them, he agrees to pay a full day's wage for just one hour of work, when one of the laborers who had worked an entire day complains, the landowner answers, I'm not being unfair to you, friend. Didn't you agree to work for a denarius? Don't I have the right to do what I want with my own money? That's a testament to the principles of supply and demand, of private property, and of voluntary contracts, not socialism. Jesus never endorsed the forced redistribution of wealth. That idea is rooted in envy something that he and the Tenth of the Ten Commandments railed against. Most importantly, Jesus cared about helping the less fortunate. He never would have approved anything that undermines wealth creation. And the only thing that has ever created wealth and lifted masses of people out of poverty is free market capitalism. Read the New Testament. The plain meaning of the text is loud and clear. 
Jesus was not a socialist. He couldn't be. He loved people, not the state. Yeah, so if, if, we, if we could say there's a God ethic, I mean, the poor and justice are very high in the God ethic. I mean, throughout the Old Covenant, amazingly, I've been having some conversation with some, some individuals around here about even the New Testament. If you look at the concept of giving throughout the New Testament, I challenge you to do this. Go, go ahead and read it, Matthew through Revelation, and just look at every verse or every passage you could think of that talks about giving. And overwhelmingly, it's for the poor. It's for the yeah. needy. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and secondarily, it's, well, I don't want to say secondarily in the sense of supporting the gospel of Jesus Christ, but it's just that the the priority of giving to the poor. So like Paul would say in Galatians when he visited the the church leaders in Jerusalem, he, he said, they only asked me to remember the poor, which was something I was very eager to do anyway, you know? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So in, in the apostolic church, in the early church DNA, we see this priority of caring, right? And that's how... That's how uh, you know, we're kind of talking about it, but um, that's how God's kingdom manifests in the world. That's how his law works out in the world. It works out from, you know, a regenerated hearts into the world. It doesn't work from the top of the ivory tower down, right. if, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, Coercion. Yeah. And even yep. Paul said this when he was collecting the offering for the saints in Jerusalem to the Corinthian church. I think it's 2 Corinthians 8 and 9. He says, you know, you must give from a, a willing heart, not under compulsion, you must yep. give cheerfully, for God loves a cheerful giver. Yep. Um, and he, he does talk there about if you give generously, you're going to reap a generous harvest. If you give you know, sparingly, you're going to reap a, a, a sparse harvest. But yep. you, you determine. Um, and, and, and there's a challenge there to support you know, brothers and sisters in Christ. So are, are we kind of saying here that, look, God is giving us a big old green light to be profitable you know, Deuteronomy 8.18, Behold, I've given you the strength and the power to create wealth, that my covenant may be established. But at the same time, he wants us to use, to be generous with others as well on a personal yep. basis, right? Yep. And I think uh, <clears throat> when we look at, you know, going back to the whole capitalist um, framework, capitalism allows people to use their resources to um, to build businesses or whatever they need to do to make a return but the only way that that person can get wealthy in in, a, in that framework is by loving and serving and caring for their neighbor they have to know their their neighbor's demands their their um, the things that they need the things that they want and so it's not a zero-sum game. It's not you get something and hmm. um, this person loses. It's right. both people get. And and um, all of all of what we do in the marketplace where, where we build businesses and, and, and entrepreneurship and all this stuff is founded on the fact that you – in able to get wealth, you have to love your neighbor. You have to care for them. You have to – the love God, love neighbor has to play out, has to be the operating framework under your business or your economics or, or whatever. Yeah, I'm, I'm reminded of Daniel Lappin, you know, the, the rabbi. He teaches uh, a, a lot about, about these, these principles, and he quotes, I think it's a proverb in, in the Old Testament that says that, you know, the person who withholds grain will be cursed, but if you sell the grain, you'll be blessed. Blessings will be on you. Yeah, and, and, yep. it, and, and in that instance, it wasn't, you'll be blessed if you give it away. You're actually blessed if you grow grain and sell it to meet other needs. Right. But if you withhold it from the market or somehow withhold it or don't bring it to, you know, that he says there's, well, the proverb says there's a curse. 
that, that comes upon you. So how does all of this apply to the Christ follower? Are, are, are there some major like takeaways, walkaways that we could begin to think about, pray about, implement right now, the Christ follower, and even the church? You know, How, how would you make application on a personal basis as yep. well as the church today? Yes. Yeah, so, so I would, um, I would encourage everyone to start operating under the, um, you know, under the assumption and under the, uh, the philosophical framework that the garden imagery has not gone away where it, it's, it's still here. Okay, we're just, like it just looks a little bit different. Yep. Um, and as his, as God's image bearers, um, we're still called to be that, be the gardeners that he intended us for intended for us to be in the first place. Yes. Um, start there. You say, and that, and that requires taking, you know, the raw materials, the, you know, the things in his world and, and building upon them, making them beautiful, you know, all of these things. And that starts, it starts small. Um, the prophet Zechariah says, do not despise the day of small beginnings. So the, Oh, I just love that verse. I just read that. I'm I'm reading in Zechariah recently and that just really was highlighted for me again. And it, and it translates like, you know, there, there are so many people that the internet has opened up so many opportunities and there are so many people starting their own little side businesses in their, you know, spare bedroom or their basement after work every day. And mm-hmm. and that's what God calls us to do. He wants us to be um, creating and, and filling and subduing the earth. What and value so, can you bring to the table, right? How right. can you, what, find something and fix it. Do you, yep. maybe you have answers that other needs, maybe that others need. Maybe you have knowledge, right? Yep. Don't hold it back. Sell your and grain, it, as yep. the proverb would say. And it's not just something that's like you. You don't. You don't have to be creating something that's like has utility. Like there, there's this dichotomy that I think of. Is like you've got products that are like useful, and you've got products that are like um, artistic and creative and make the world beautiful. Make, so it's like they bring joy and pleasure. Like, yeah. Yeah, and so. Um, Pick pick one like like if you're good at, at providing services like healthcare or something like that, pour all of your might into that to um, to be the best at it. Um, if you're good at writing music or or painting or whatever that that um, draws out people's emotions and and can speak to them on an emotional level, do that with all your heart. But either way, God calls us like in the parable of talents. He calls us to be faithful with the things that He's given us to to take dominion over his world and to garden it. And to really represent uh, him, really, to, to, to represent God, to image him, that's right? That's right. That's right. Yep. And, Given, and for the church... Kind of podcasting um, myself happy here, my goodness. You know, so, now, <laughs> I think um, for the past little while, the, the church has kind of swallowed a pessimistic worldview um, or a pessimistic view of kind of eschatology. And I think we need to kind of we need to start taking the scripture seriously and and realizing that the future is hopeful. Christ has what he's done in the in his atonement yes. is not just personal salvation, right? You know, getting into heaven one day. It's it has implications for the world now. Yes. Jesus says, um, tells us to pray, um, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Um, and, and how does he do that? Through his Spirit you know, in people. <laughs> so, um, so, so the church, let's realize our responsibility. We're, that's the, the future we're going towards. And we need to be, um, 
uh, a body that is helping the world to see that. Absolutely. Yeah, this is a, I, I just really love this. I mean, so Jesus gave us this template for prayer, right? Like in Matthew 6, your kingdom come, yes. your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And if you take a dark view of eschatology and sort of this hyper dispensational view of it, that he only meant that the kingdom comes when he comes again, right? But right. I pr- right. like when I pray it over my family and myself, and what I try to do is take John Eldridge's advice, and when I, I say, Father, I'm praying now, and I, I draw into my prayers my wife and our daughters, and I, I pray it for them as well, <laughs> you know, okay? They're yeah. under this prayer covering as, as I pray it. And you can do that with your friends, your family, your, you know, your associates, whatever. But, okay, so when we pray your kingdom come, you're, we're, we're, yes, we're praying for your kingdom to come in its fullness, at the right. second, but the same, we're also praying for it to come increasingly now in yes. our lives. And, and, yep. And Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. Yes. Repent and believe. Yep. And so I don't think at hand means, you know, thousands of years in the future. Like he's, you know, he's calling us in, he's inviting us into the, the kingdom advancement. Absolutely. Know, uh, mission. And, you know, we, we can live now, we, we can begin to sample, the book of Hebrews talks about tasting the powers of the age to come. Apparently that's possible. So we can begin to sample now and begin to live. I like to say it this way, begin to live in the light and the power of the age, which is to come, albeit partial, but begin to do it now, you know? Yes. So we're living in the light of that horizon, which is coming and it's so full of hope and faith. In contrast, so to kind of come full circle on the economic aspect, capitalism, socialism, whatever, you know, when he's talking about the, um, you know, the, the kingdom to come, if, if we're going to, if we're going to move back towards the Edenic, the Edenic view or the, um, you know, God's kingdom, it's going to be a bottom up kingdom. And so when we look at economic systems or political systems or whatever, we need to be um, pursuing systems that look more like that. And so not, you know, a little jab at, at Bernie, but socialism is a extremely top-down system. It has to be necessarily. And when Jesus comes in, um, he flips the world's order on on its head and says, you know, the first will be last and the last will be first. Um, And so his rule is is bottom-up. Hearts are changed and it works its way out in the world, whereas, you know, socialism and communism have to enforce charity, you know, quote-unquote, from the top down. And the and the dirty big secret, it's not such a little secret anymore, the dirty huge secret is that every time this has been tried in world history, it's failed spectacularly. Because it's not consistent with God's image bearers. Yeah. Like, it, it's not consistent with the way that God made us. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So whether it's the dissolution of the Soviet Union or Venezuela or some other South American nation that's dabbling in it or, you know, it, it just does not work. Right. <laughs> it rob it robs you it robs you of your ability to be generous. When you when when you um you know vote for the guy and and give your responsibility to care for your neighbor to the guy who's um up in the in Washington DC, God still calls you to be uh to be charitable and to care for the um for the poor guy, but you're voting for the guy that's going to take your ability to do that away from you. Um, and we don't need to move. We don't need to start walking in that direction. We need to start walking towards freedom, 
freedom in Christ and the regeneration of, of, of the world through um, his image bearers. Well, I so. love the messaging you're bringing, Dustin, uh, Dustin Johnson. And, and your site, Christ and Capital, what is the URL again? The, the website yeah, it's, address? www.christandcapital.com. Uh, okay. If you go on Google, I think it's it uh, it'll show up. But um, hopefully when I get this this podcast stuff started, it'll um, Google put it a little bit farther up on the, <laughs> okay. on the scale. Yeah. And do you have any like social handles related to your website yep, that just, you want to give out? Yeah. Just uh, look for Christ and Capital on Facebook, Instagram, uh, Twitter. I'm on there a little bit, but mainly just Facebook and Instagram. Okay. Yeah. You got a pretty good Instagram, Instagram game going on. I see these quotes coming through. They're very powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, do you have an e-letter that goes out yet? An e- email uh, list or? Not yet. Okay. I'm, I'm still growing. <laughs> All right. All right, yeah. man. I, I, I appreciate it. I think it's a much needed message. I get amped up about it. I love the theology behind it. This is like I do too. N.T. Wright. This is like a kingdom theology, which someone yep. has said, as much as Jesus talked about the kingdom and modeled it, it's embarrassing how little we do. You know, we have this, yep. we have this theology or this, you know, that's like a non-kingdom emphasis. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, yeah. The parables. And, and we just we need our 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 society just needs an, an injection of hope. Um, and and uh, the current reigning uh, theory of origins and ethics and you know all this stuff is not. It's it's very pessimistic. And so I think the world um, the world needs it. So aside from presidential politics, we have some advice for Bernie. Man, if you're going to get in the ring with Jesus. Ooh. Uh, I, I don't know, man. Bernie versus Jesus, the capitalist. I don't, I don't think it's going to go well for you. Okay. I, yeah, I don't, right. I don't think so. Or maybe it will, but it won't go your way. <laughs> it won't go your way. You're going to have to like uh, have your mind renewed and bow your knee to the Lordship of Christ. Okay. All right, man. We should pray for that. All yeah. right. Well, thanks, uh, Dustin. I appreciate it, man. Yeah, thank you for having me on. I, I had oh, a lot yeah. of fun. It's a pleasure. Uh, maybe yeah. one day we can do it again. So. I love this content. Yeah, we'll... Uh, We'll do it again, okay? All right. Thanks, Dustin. I appreciate it. You can learn more about what Dustin does at ChristandCapital.com. He blogs there. He's also starting a podcast right now. I think the first episode is up. And on the show notes page for this episode, we'll combine episodes 112 and 114 on the one show notes page at JesusSmart.com. You can learn more about Dustin's resourcing. I'll have links there to his website, etc. Probably some links to some other resourcing. And we'll have a YouTube video from Prager University. You heard an excerpt from that YouTube video today with Dr. Lawrence Reed. To learn more about the podcast, definitely go to JesusSmart.com. It's the mothership of all things Jesus Smart, the podcast, okay? You can see the show notes page there for this episode. Uh, If you like what you're hearing here and would like to advance it, help promote it, you can rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. It's now on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Alexa, as well as all of the major podcast listening options. If you feel somebody would love to hear about this episode 114 and 112, Share it with them directly. Maybe go on the socials and help spread the word about this content. 
We have an e-letter. It's free. Comes out nearly every week. Next level ideas and insights to develop as a Christ follower. We're all questing as an apprentice of his kingdom. Remember, my friend, Jesus is brilliant. Find others who think the same. Run with others in the body of Christ. He knows how this life works best. See you next time.